The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, it's uh, so good to be with you here once again here at North Pine. Uh, Thank you so much, team, for leading us so beautifully in worship to our great God today. Um, I'm not very good at technology, so please bear with me while I just uh, attach everything here. Great. I think we're in business. Well, it's the first Sunday of 2024, and the start of a new year can be very exciting, can't it? Uh, All the fireworks, uh, celebrations, music and feasting, it's a joyful time, isn't it, for many people. And we all know what usually happens on New Year's Eve. That's right, lots of people are making resolutions for the coming year. The ultimate in the triumph of hope over experience. Uh, me personally, I was in bed before 8 o'clock last week. Um, New Year's Eve feels like it was a really long time ago. I don't know about you. And for me personally, I don't really go in for making resolutions. If I did make a resolution, I reckon my wife would approve of this meme about me procrastinating less. Yeah, so my New Year's resolution is to procrastinate less, but I'm going to start next week. Now, obviously, it's a good thing to take stock, uh, to make plans to do things better. By all means, have a plan to read the Bible and pray and meet with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not a bad thing to make plans. If you've made resolutions, don't feel bad. It might be to have a bit more gentle exercise every week, uh, choosing to be kinder deliberately every day, uh, choosing to eat healthier, uh, investing more time in the relationships that are very important for you. These are all good things and all power to you for, for doing those things. In my experience, though, it's just that so many resolutions can quickly become a legalistic burden. They're not life-giving, and so it's no wonder that they're dropped quick smart within the first week or two. Well, you'll be glad to know that today we're not looking at making New Year's resolutions, which is great. Instead, I want us to lift our gaze beyond the day-to-day life that we have, all of its joys, all of its challenges, and we want to take a big picture view right at the beginning of the year to see where everything in this whole wide world is going. And that's what we're going to be doing today. And by doing so, we're going to be filled with hope afresh. We will be filled with peace that the world is desperately longing for. And we will be filled with joy. Who doesn't want that? Joy, peace, hope. That's what we're looking at this morning. More joy, more peace, more hope. And I reckon they're a million times better than the lamest of lame New Year's resolutions. Now, today's reading comes from the very last book of the New Testament, Revelation. So please turn with me in your Bibles or your device to Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to be reading from uh, verses 15 to 19. There it is on the screen. So Revelation 11, just to set the scene, This is part of the vision that God has given John, the Apostle John, about what's really going on 
from God's point of view in these last days. And we are told in Revelation 1-3 that we are blessed if we read the words of this vision, this prophetic vision, okay? So Revelation 11 verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. This is the very word of God. Well, what an extraordinary vision this is. Very simply, it's a declaration of final and total victory for King Jesus. This passage reveals where all of history is heading towards the fulfillment of the kingdom of God here on earth. Throughout Revelation, John reveals the second coming of King Jesus from lots of different perspectives, where God prevails against all of his enemies. And indeed, the whole theme of Revelation is the victory of Jesus over all the forces of evil. I don't know about you, but that is such a tremendous comfort to us as followers of Jesus, opposed by the forces of darkness, sometimes, often feeling harassed and oppressed. Many of our brothers and sisters persecuted in many parts of the world today. And so the whole point of this magnificent revelation is to help believers know that things are not what they seem physically around us here on earth. We get a picture of what's happening behind the scenes from God's point of view, which is so, so encouraging for us today. Well, keep your Bibles open. Let's look a bit more closely at these verses, starting firstly at verse 15. For some reason, whoops, the clicker's not working. Do you mind clicking on? Thank you, Clinton. Uh, let's look at verse 15. Trumpet blasts immediately make me think of a majestic royal announcement. It's no different here. Loud trumpet blasts herald impending judgment on the cosmic treason against the majesty of God. And this seventh and last trumpet blast by a mighty angel introduces loud voices in heaven itself proclaiming the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. 
There's no more exciting verse in Scripture. Well, there might be quite a few on a par with that, but that is so exciting. And here's the reason why. Finally, finally, the iron rule of the devil in this world will come to an end. The curse of sin will be obliterated. Suffering and despair will no longer hold any sway in this world. All the outrage and the anger and division and alienation we experience in this society will simply just melt away. The kingdom of God will finally be fulfilled in all of its fullness. Have you ever experienced, even just for a fleeting moment, a time when everything seems just perfect? It doesn't happen very often, does it? Uh, everything as it should be. Maybe one Christmas day. I know Christmas sometimes can be quite a, a stressful day. Uh, but maybe one Christmas day, everything was just perfect. Well, you know how Americans love getting their family photos with their matching Christmas jumpers? My darling wife thought it would be so much fun for our family to get dressed up in Christmas PJs and said, far too hot to have a Christmas jumper. And so there's my lovely family. They're all growing so tall. I'm the shortest male in the family, but that's quite okay. And our youngest son in the middle, James, he's actually 17 now. He does not look too thrilled about this, hey? Deep down, we know that he loved it. Um, I think. I think he loved it. But yeah, just getting back to a moment, hopefully you can think of a time when everything was just perfect, just for a brief moment in time. And it's brilliant, isn't it? Are you content and you're happy? Are you have that lightness of being that everything is all right with the world? Uh, and that's what the kingdom of God will be like. When you have an all-powerful, good king who reigns for the benefit of his people, well, the result is just so glorious. And this was the very heart of the good news that Jesus proclaimed. Very familiar verses. The first thing that Mark records in Mark 1.14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, what's the first thing that Mark records Jesus is saying? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's so close. You can almost taste it. And this was the good news that Jesus was bringing about. But what does Jesus mean by the kingdom of God? So it means nothing less than the glorious reign of God breaking into this dark world marked by suffering and evil. His kingdom rule is established among all those, many of us here today, who trust and follow the Lord Jesus and all throughout the world, his kingdom is growing. Sometimes you can't see it, but it's growing all throughout the world. There are millions and millions and millions of brothers and sisters all around the world who will be gathering together to worship the Lord Jesus. But at the same time as this is happening, we know that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. That's what Jesus told Pilate at his trial. My kingdom is not of this world in John 18.36. And so we have this clash of kingdoms, the kingdom of this world under the control of the evil one and the kingdom of God side by side in total opposition to one another. And so it's such a beautiful thing. It's just such a joy for me to be here today, but it's such a beautiful thing to see Christians 
living out what we are, living as citizens of the kingdom of God in a suffering world. And that's our calling, isn't it? That's what we're called to do, live the life of the kingdom in the midst of the suffering world. But let's be really, really honest here. It's hard. It's very hard to live when everything in this world runs counter to God and his kingdom rule. And that's why every single one of us here, if we're really honest, every single one of us find life in this world so challenging. I mean, we've all heard about the cost of living pressures. Uh, Just to give you one example that's very close to my heart, as a father of three growing boys, um, Nutrigrain, my goodness, when did Nutrigrain get over $10 a pop? Now you can tell I don't do the shopping much, sorry darling, you're doing a wonderful job. Cereal, over $10, what's going on? And that's symbolic of everything else, isn't it? Food's going up, electricity's going up, rent's out of control. It's heartbreaking when I go for a ride and I see the tents down at Woody Point. I think these are good people, you know, living in tents. Can you imagine during that storm or a hot, humid day? Rent's just out of control. Interest rates are causing all sorts of pain. So much stress, isn't there? So much anxiety. Um, Let alone if you look at the news, you know, I'm a bit silly, I like the news, but boy, it's discouraging sometimes. It's just so depressing hearing about the latest crime wave or the horrors of what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and Gaza and, or Ukraine and Russia. And, you know, just hearing about all the injustice in the world, the oppression of precious people creating the side of God, uh, exploitation, there's so much despair. And so as followers of Jesus... We live in the midst of this tension, this clash of kingdoms, knowing our true status, yet suffering ourselves in a world that is groaning under the effect of sin. And so our fervent hope is the glorious appearing of King Jesus to make everything right. And I can't wait for that day. And this is what's celebrated here in Revelation eleven fifteen. Not only will this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. How good is that? All opposition to Jesus will be overthrown. We will live as we always hoped to live, under the gracious and noble rule of the all-loving, all-powerful God, with new resurrected bodies, I can't wait, that never again suffer from physical or emotional maladies, with an end to all injustice and suffering and pain and conflict and evil. How good is that? That is our hope if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ today. That is the ultimate in something to look forward to. Well, what is our response? What can be the only response to this extraordinary good news in verse 16? Worship. Overwhelming, abundant thankfulness expressed in worship. Worship mingled with gratitude, worship mingled with joy, worship mingled with relief. So we told the 24 elders, get off their majestic thrones around the throne of God. They fall on their faces, very demonstrative, in adoration and worship. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. We know God is already reigning in heaven. We know that God is sovereign over all things in this universe. We know that God 
is reigning in the hearts of all those here who love and follow the Lord Jesus. But one day, hopefully soon, the Lord God Almighty will finally begin to reign over this whole world. What a relief. What a joy. What a celebration. His great power will ensure the defeat of everything and the defeat of everyone who would dare to oppose him. And this is a cause for great rejoicing for us here today. In light of the vast array of forces opposed to God. We need to be honest for a moment here that we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, This is not just a neutral zone here on earth. We actually have an active enemy who wants to discourage us and deceive us and to ultimately destroy us, to disintegrate our faith. And we need to be aware of this battle that we're in, but realizing that he has given us the victory through the Lord Jesus. So let's just talk briefly for a moment about the forces arrayed against God because they are defeated. And not only will they be defeated completely, they will face justice. And so we need to briefly look at judgment before we look at the rewards we can look forward to in the kingdom of God. Verse 18, I'll just read just the the judgment part. I'll skip over a bit and come back to the rewards in a sec, okay? But verse 18, the angels, uh, sorry, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead. Skip over, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. The nations, uh, representing the evil, corrupt world, going all the way back to the Tower of Babel, always opposed to God, shaking their fists in God's face, angry, trying to destroy his church in their rebellious treason against his rule. But now, finally, God's wrath at their evil has finally arrived. All their scoffing has come to naught. All those unrepentant rebels, living and dead, who mocked God and despised his people, are finally called to account. And this is why as Christians, we are called not to take revenge. It goes against every fiber of our natural beings. We are called not to take revenge because we entrust all judgment to God. He will guarantee that justice is done, and that justice will be seen to be done. And so that gives us great hope and confidence. If you've ever suffered for your faith in Lord Jesus, you can trust God that he will judge justly. But just thinking about judgment, I do want to take a bit of an excursus here for a few minutes just to reflect upon judgment, because the good news isn't really good news unless we have it contrasted with the bad news. I really want us to feel the weight of judgment. And let's make it a little bit more personal, not just at a systematic level, but personal. Have you ever thought about what your worst nightmare would be? Uh, falling down a black hole or um, being forced to do some public speaking? I don't know what it might be, but how about this for something that's really terrifying, a terrifying nightmare? You're standing before the very throne room of God himself, majestic in holiness or inspiring in power and authority. The scene in front of you, being before the throne room of God himself, is so overwhelming, you do not dare look behind you, even though you're aware there are multitudes behind you waiting their turn. Books are opened and you're starting to really sweat now. And not only are the books opened, 
But a giant screen, far bigger than this screen, is also there in high definition. Suddenly, on this screen, up pops up everything, not only that you have done, but you've said, but thought as well. This is my greatest nightmare. This is terrifying. Can you imagine? In quick succession, you see little David throwing a temper tantrum as a three-year-old, stealing some money from dad, defying your parents. And then things only start to escalate from there in my teenage years and then adulthood. I'm 50 years old now. Who could stand before the white-hot judgment of God? None of us could stand in our own strength, in our own righteousness. It'd be like filthy rags. I would just want the ground to open up and swallow me to get away. So terrifying is this prospect. Uh, Elsewhere in Revelation 6, it says that all those about to be judged would rather the mountains crush them into oblivion rather than to face an accounting of their treason against the living God they despised. You can see it on the screen there. This is what is coming for the unrepentant and wicked and evil. Thankfully, none of us have to ever worry about this at all. The good news is that Jesus offers us forgiveness in extremis, total forgiveness. How good. As far as the east is removed from the west, so far our transgressions have been taken from us, according to Psalm 103. What a great salvation. No wonder Paul joyfully announces that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How good is that? Get this, not only can we have complete assurance now of total forgiveness, there are actually rewards to look forward to as well. Who doesn't like getting a reward? Verse 18 goes on to tell us, and the time has come for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both great and small. Folks, that's talking about us. If we're trusting in Jesus, as Christians, we're described as his servants. We are, in fact, saints because we are declared righteous by faith. We've been consecrated and sanctified through the righteousness that we're clothed with that comes from Jesus. And we treasure and honor the name of God because it is his name that declares his saving power. He saves us. And he is worthy of our heartfelt worship. What unites all these described here is that they will testify and witness to the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the confirmation that we have that all of God's promises will come true. But it actually gets better than this, folks. It's only natural that we want to know what the rewards are like. So let me just take a couple of minutes to elaborate briefly of what else we have to look forward to. Not only are we forgiven, we are adopted as heirs into the family of God. We can call God our Father in heaven. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Not only that, our bodies will be transformed into new physical spiritual resurrection bodies that never decay or deteriorate. Now, I think about my wonky knee or when I feel anxiety. I won't have to worry about them. All frustration and anxiety... And suffering and tears are gone forever because sin and evil 
and death and the devil are utterly destroyed at the appearing of King Jesus. So good riddance, depression. See you later, diabetes. Sayonara to your wonky knee and to your bad back. Now, if we design to you feeling constantly exhausted, bring it on. Sounds so good. Let's keep going. Think about the picture of flourishing that Jesus has been preparing us for all this time. He's had 2,000 years to be preparing this beautiful inheritance for us. We'll enjoy the new creation on the new earth. It'll be tangible. It'll be far more real than what we're experiencing right here and now in this world. It'll be far more beautiful than anywhere in this world. You think of the Great Barrier Reef or the Swiss Alps or wherever it might be, beautiful farmland, whatever it might be. Because the curse on creation will be overcome. Did you know that we're actually going to have things to do when King Jesus returns? But our work will be utterly satisfying and purposeful. It will not be draining and frustrating. We'll have the opportunity to be continually learning new things. We'll have the opportunity to create, to create new things because we reflect in whose image we've been created, God himself, who is the creator. We'll have the opportunity to create new things. And all of our relationships will be marked by perfect love, uh, extravagant grace, with no misunderstandings or selfishness distorting things at all. The best thing of all, I've saved the best to last, is that we will see the living God who loves us, who saved us, who's redeemed us, we will see the living God face to face, our Father in heaven. Our precious, we will be his precious children that he delights in. The magnificent, all-powerful Father who utterly delights in us as his precious children, the one who is the source of everything that is beautiful and good and true in this universe. How's that for some rewards? I reckon it's worth the wait. So hang in there, folks, hang in there. And then verse 19 reveals the basis and very symbolic language of this good news. The Ark of the Covenant uh, immediately recalls the Old Testament mercy seat where the wrath of God is atoned for, is propitiated by the sacrifices for sin that the priests offered to God. We know from Hebrews, we know from the Gospels that Jesus is the perfect great high priest who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice once for all, for all sin. Jesus' death atoned for and propitiated the wrath of God and his resurrection, his physical resurrection from the dead, confirmed God's vindication for him and his perfect sacrifice for all of our sin. No matter what we've done, it's been paid for. But this verse also reveals God has a terrifying power to judge all those who treat this gift with contempt. What a stark choice we face before us today. So we're really talking about how we can enter into the kingdom of God, how we can have our citizenship in this eternal kingdom. Uh, And the good news is that it's only because of Jesus that we can have this tremendous privilege, this incredible gift of being right with God. No wonder that we can be filled with hope when we've got the big picture in mind. No wonder that we can be filled with peace despite all the anxiety, all the stress, all the suffering around us. No wonder 
that we can be filled with joy even if we're not feeling particularly happy or laughing at any one moment in time. So how do we respond to this? Well, two things off the top of my head. We're almost done. First and foremost, it is so important, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to make sure that you are on the winning side, that we are on the winning side, that in fact, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, that you are trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the brand new life he provides through the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he's offering to you today. It would be a fearful thing to have to stand before the judgment seat of God and being held to account for every single sin accrued over a lifetime. Utterly terrifying. If that's you, if you're feeling convicted right now that you're not right with God, if you're feeling the weight of your sin, do something about it today. Take hold of the good news. Jesus Christ is personally offering you complete and total forgiveness. Sorry about that. (laughs) What have you got to lose? Only your guilt, only your shame, only your sin. Gone forever. What a deal. So Jesus is inviting you. Come to him now for full forgiveness. Don't hold on to that garbage that you know deep down is just making you miserable. He longs to make you brand new, inside and out. He is a source of life and wants you to be truly alive like you've never been before, forever. So if that's you today, do business with God. Cry it to Jesus and he will hear your cry for mercy and give you complete and unconditional forgiveness. Sounds too good to be true, but not at all. This is why we call the gospel the good news. For most people here today, you love Jesus. You're following him faithfully and you long for his appearing. And I want to encourage you to keep going. Keep persevering. Never give up. What word is there for you today from this passage? How can we live in the light of the victory that one day everyone will see? How can we have the hope and the peace and the joy that he promises every day even though life is so, so hard and so, so discouraging. Let's be real. Well, it means that we live with a clear-eyed realism about this present world. We should not be surprised, even though it's so discouraging and depressing, we should not be surprised at the awful suffering that we see. We have a wicked enemy who just revels in suffering and I long for his overthrow. So it's only right that we should be appalled at the evil we see in this world, the oppression, the injustice, the greed, the selfishness that is so, so destructive. But in the midst of this, we live out our identity as God's kingdom people, living his kingdom values. And that's where we desperately need to encourage each other to continue to hold fast, to be steadfast, in the faith that we have in King Jesus. We have a certain hope that this world is not how things should be. That one day all suffering will come to an end. We can have a deep and profound sense of of peace that behind the scenes God is at work. 
God is working all things for the good of those who trust him. He cares so deeply for us. He is present with us. He's promised to be present with us. And he is with us to the very end of the age. And ultimately, this truth gives us deep joy. A deep joy that is not dependent on brief moments of happiness here and there. Rather, a deep and profound joy that God is making all things new. That he's preparing a glorious future for all of his children. And so what can we do but respond in worship with love for God who so loved us? To love one another, strengthening and encouraging one another's faith in these perilous times. That's why we can be patient in adversity. It's why we can humbly live righteous lives. Why we can delight in faithfully serving where God has placed us currently. Because one day, The trumpet blast will sound and everyone will hear the loud proclamation. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Father, we do thank you so much for this word for us today from Revelation 11. We long for that day when we hear that trumpet We know that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he shall reign forevermore. Father, your love is so extravagant. Your grace is so super abundant. You are so good. You are so good. I pray that you'd fill all of us today with hope. Hope for today, hope for the future. That you'd fill our hearts with peace despite everything that we're facing individually as a family. Uh, that you'd fill us with peace as we see all the horrible things happening around the world. And Lord, that you'd give us a deep and abiding joy that just bubbles up from deep within us, within our spirits, Lord, that comes from you. Father, we pray for this joy uh, that is not dependent on funny jokes or a funny meme or feeling happy just briefly for a moment, but a deep and abiding joy. And Lord, it's just my heart that anyone here who doesn't have this assurance of salvation, who's not filled with hope and joy and peace from the knowledge that their sins are forgiven. They might be fearful of judgment at any day. We just pray that in your great mercy, you'd make them alive and that they would cry out to you and that you'd meet them at their point of need, that you'd make them all brand new, that you completely forgive their sins and that they would rejoice that they've been adopted as your children and your forever family, looking forward to a glorious inheritance in the kingdom of God. Father, all we can say is thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.